This episode of News Dump is brought to you by Upstart. The best films of... Yeah, my hair is gone. Uh, I was actually going <laughs> to put my hair up, but it's going through a bit of trauma right now from being so long. So <laughs> put the hat back on. Um, yeah. This guy's a fucking cop. Look at him. I know. I know. I was pretty depressed for a while. But I think... I Look, everyone on Instagram was very nice. I did a little... Like, yeah, story of course they of were. They're pretty nice for the most part. So I'm, I'm feeling okay about it. Anyways, the best films of the year have been crowned. The worst films of the years have been exposed, and an 80-year-old masterpiece has been dethroned by an adorable, wholesome bear. Take that, Orson Welles. Uh, it was a busy week for the industry, alongside some uh, awkward moments, but let's jump into the fun stuff first. The Worst Movies of the Year Awards, a.k.a. the Razzies, were handed out last weekend during the Golden Raspberry Awards 40th anniversary, which, uh, I'll be honest, I had no idea the Razzies had been around for that long. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's an institution. Thing. So yeah, it was an uh, it was an obviously an odd year for movies, good and bad. Uh, last year, for obvious reasons, uh, the coronavirus. So yes. there wasn't an overabundance of competition, uh, whether we're talking the Oscars or the Razzies. A lot of films were constantly being shuffled to new release dates. Some were pushed back well over a year. Some were thrown straight onto streaming services. Regardless, here are your big winners of worst of the year from the Razzies. Worst prequel, remake, ripoff, or sequel went to Doolittle, starring Robert Downey Jr., which feels like it came out a decade ago at this yeah. point. Yeah. I vaguely remember That came seeing, out in 2020? Yeah, January 2020. I vaguely remember seeing posters for this. and like, yeah, I remember it, hearing it was real bad, but... Seems yeah. like a lifetime ago. Seems like a long time ago. Uh, this is a big win for Doolittle because it was up against some serious contenders in this category, including Wonder Woman 1984, which definitely would have been my pick. Still More of a still haven't seen it. That's the thing is like the Wonder Woman was, despite how terrible it was, a big movie because people wanted to see it because the first one was good. Mm -hmm. Do a little like yeah, of course that's gonna suck. Yeah, it's well, Robert I mean, Downey Jr. talking to animals. What if it was good? What if I guess? But uh, the the hopes were actually high for Wonder Woman. Yeah, uh, and uh, it was terrible. So I feel like it deserves it more. But uh, look, I, I'm not the. Uh, the award picker over at the Razzies, so I don't know. Worst on-screen combo went to Rudy Giuliani and his pants zipper in the Borat sequel. Again, we know uh, the safety of those involved was so of utmost importance, but we really wish that these scenes would have been allowed to play out fully because Giuliani was able to play it off as something more innocent despite looking really creepy anyway. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I don't know. All the, all the lead-up to this spe specifically was like, he's going to pull his dick out and full-on crank it. And we all saw it on camera, but it's like, no, he, I mean, plausible deniability. He could have been just adjusting. He did lay down. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It wasn't a, a certain time to be tucking in your shirt, a very particular time. But uh, anyway, either yeah. way. to celebrate being the recipient of this award, Giuliani had his New York apartment searched by the FBI later <laughs> in the week yeah. where they seized phones and computers along with a bunch of other things. Uh, this wasn't related to the hog cranking incident from the film, but it is related to his dealings with Ukraine. So, um. There you go. The that man, is uh, he's got his finger in a lot of pies. And those <laughs> yeah. pies are getting hot. Uh-huh. Uh, worst supporting actress went to Maddie Ziegler for the film Music. Oh, geez. Which was directed by Sia. Uh, I had no idea that this movie existed. Uh, but come to find out, it was riddled uh, yeah. with controversy because Ziegler was playing the role of an autistic person. And uh, another character in the film uh, was uh, described as being a racial stereotype. So not really getting off on the right foot here with this movie yeah, in the first this, place. This was Sia's movie. And yeah, uh, yeah it's, a, it's a musical about an autistic child. 
And uh, she announced it. She's like, oh, I'm working with the organization Autism Speaks on this project. And then a bunch of real autistic people on the internet were like, no, don't do that. Aut Autism Speaks is like basically a hate group whose entire purpose is like curing autism and like treating it like a disease. And I don't know. The controversy started immediately. And then when the actual movie came out, people were like, yeah, no, it's uh, and the movie's bad. bad. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyways, worst supporting actor went to Rudy Giuliani as himself in Borat 2. Um, I don't know. Honestly, the man deserves an Oscar for his performance in the stolen election press conferences that were yeah. held after the release of this movie. But he's going to have to settle for a few Razzies instead. Yeah. We will never forget Leaky Giuliani. The performance of a lifetime. <laughs> uh, yeah, Sia's movie, by the way, it cleaned up in a few other categories. Uh, so it, it must have been really terrible. Music won Sia the Worst Director Award and nabbed Kate Hudson the award for Worst Actress. And uh, I, I was curious, so I had to look this up on Rotten Tomatoes and see what was going on here. Uh, it has an 8% from certified critics and only a 13% from the audience, which That's is usually... twice as good as the critics, though. But the audience is usually, like, yeah. pretty... Audiences, they love anything. Oh, movie, movie, movie. Yeah. Uh, I pressed play and it showed me pictures that were moving. <laughs> so a third, you would assume that, like, at the very least, like, Sia's musical fan base would be like, no, we're not going to let our queen go down like this. Time to get some good ratings. I, I don't know if she has much of a fan base anymore. Yeah, apparently which is, this which is terrible because I, I, she's, she's very, a great singer. Very talented musically, but yeah, this film, of all films to make as your debut as a filmmaker, really blew up in her fucking face. We live in a world where Fred Durst is a more uh, prominent director than Sia. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, anyways, yeah, 13% from the audience is uh, abnormally bad. 8% uh, from critics, real bad. Uh, it was hated pretty unanimously. Uh, here's some uh, some quick reviews. A completely misguided mess. It's pitiful stuff. How nobody involved in this doomed fiasco simply said no at any or every stage is baffling. Fortunately, you can. Four years ago, a musical genius shot a stinker. That she's promoting it so aggressively now suggests that she can't see or smell what's right under her nose. So, wow. Uh, I kind of want to see it now, but uh, I have also, you know, I learned my lesson with cats. Sometimes movies aren't so always so bad that they're good. They're just bad. Yeah, um, this one seems it's more like uh, misguided and in poor taste. Like the... Uh, that Jerry Lewis movie, The Day the Clown Cried, which has <laughs> never, never seen the light of day. Yeah. And I, I like I hope in my lifetime I get to watch that fucking movie. It's a comedy about a clown at a concentration camp during yeah. uh, the Holocaust. Uh, Disney going to release that out of the vault any day now. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, yeah. Moving on now, though, there was another sweep right at the end for the last two categories. And it's from an unlikely source who we never thought we'd see winning a Razzie Award, despite how absolutely deserved it is right now. Mm -hmm. My Pillow CEO Mike Lindell took home the worst actor category for his portrayal of himself in his mm, documentary <laughs> about voter fraud. Absolute proof. That film also took home the most coveted prize of all as Absolute Proof won worst picture, beating out 365 Days, Fantasy Island, and the previously mentioned Doolittle and Music. So that's saying a lot. I don't know what 365 Days or Fantasy Island even are. Is it a remake of the show? Probably. Hmm. Never even heard of it. Oh, and other Mike Lindell news, uh, if you care, uh, he appeared on Jimmy Kimmel Live this week in person for an extended interview. And it's uh, mostly just kind of awkward and nothing new really came out of it. But we will leave a link to it down in the description in case you're interested in checking it out. The man's kind of a broken record at this point. Yeah, he, nothing really new came out of it. I, he definitely went in there with the full intention of being able to take away any criticism by 
talking about his charitable work uh, of getting people sober off of uh, uh, crack cocaine mm-hmm. and other substances. The way it works is I come and I take their crack away from them and I put it in a secure place in it's my safe. bathroom. It's safe. I make uh, sure no one, no one else gets to touch that crack except me. Uh, but yeah, it was basically just the two of them talking over each other because they just keep trying to correct each other yeah. uh, about things that are being said. Um, and then, a, and then a, 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 an actual real good impression, but probably not the right situation, but a real good impersonator of Mike Lindell came out at the end of the interview. And it's like, I don't feel bad for Mike Lindell, but like, no. I don't know. It's just strange. Just strange. Anyways, uh, over on the Oscars, though, I mean, I got to say, I was... Absolutely not interested in watching the Oscars this year, and uh, I was basically disconnected from a lot of the nominees, which is odd for me because usually by the time the nominations are announced, I've seen a good amount of the movies, and uh, then I try to watch whatever I haven't by the time the show airs. Yeah, I, I, I batted pretty much zero for zero on this year's nominees, so I didn't even watch the the ceremony. Yeah, neither did I. Uh, traditionally, the nominees for Best Picture, you know, they aren't always the most lighthearted films, and they're usually dramatic and emotional, which is totally fine. But on a personal level, specifically last year, I didn't really want to watch anything like that. I didn't want to watch anything that would bring me down lower than I already felt. Yeah. Uh, the world was doing a good enough job at that, so kind of just skipped it. I, there were a couple where I'm like, yeah, kind of looks looks good. But I watched Minari last night, and it was, yeah. it was good. Cool. I, I liked it. it yeah. But yeah, it was. It's, it's an Oscar movie. It's supposed to like make you feel sad and emotional and shit and it's like okay did it i probably won't it's not gonna leave a lasting impression in my mind at all yeah it's a it's a good movie anyway we also typically try to watch the ceremony but yeah no interest this year and apparently we were not alone in that sentiment because the oscars had their absolute worst ratings ever in history down nearly 60 percent in viewership compared to last year when the show had already been experiencing a downturn Mm mm-hmm Describing the drop-off in viewership as drastic is almost putting it lightly. Let's take a look at just the last few years. So, 2014 had 43.7 million viewers. But by 2017, that number had dropped by 10 million to 32.9 million viewers. Mm -hmm. The show dropped below 30 million in 2018 and 2019. And by 2020, it had dropped another 10 million down to 23.6 million viewers. Pretty crazy, right? Yeah. Well, this year's Oscars, less than 10 million (laughs) people watched it, which is... Uh, <laughs> it seems insanely low, but I don't know. It's it's a weird year. Um, but yeah, going from uh, 43, what was it, 43 or 41 million to uh, 9.8 million in a couple of years is catastrophic. Not great. Also, I don't know why they did this, but they did. They held the ceremony at Union Station, yeah. a functioning uh, train station, which uh, anyone who was trying to use that to travel was uh, oh, nuts. <laughs> severely inconvenienced by this. Yeah, it was like, a, uh, what was it, like a show or a movie last year that they were like, everything oh, was closed uh, down, they're like, but we're shooting like here. like the She's All That remake or something. And it was like, uh, first of all, this is like a, a massive hub for, yeah, for a, transportation. A huge transport hub. Second of all, it was at the time, uh, I, I believe, a pretty big uh, COVID testing site. Yeah. So like anyone who had had schedules for COVID testing that day couldn't get them that day. And if you're going to get it at Union Station, um, you are going out of your way and don't have a car, probably. Yeah. So that uh, appointment was probably pretty vital. Uh, it would have been cool, like, instead of shooting it at a functioning train station that, uh, you know, Southern California relies on, they they should have rented out the Cinerama Dome at uh, <laughs> the Arclight, yeah. uh, a business that uh, probably could have used the money. Or keep doing it at the theater that they always do it because 
Yeah. What, what, like, or any theater in LA yeah. that has been closed for an entire year. I don't understand. Yeah, but the one, like, I know things are getting back to normal now, but the one that they usually do it at, is it Dolby now? It's not Kodak anymore. Yeah. Uh, is It's like downstairs is like a hard rock cafe or something. It's like, look, they're fine with it. Yeah. Anyways, anyway, yeah. As for the winners, here's some of the bigger categories from the night. Uh, Tenet won for best visual effects. <laughs> Woo! Making the film not a total loss for Christopher Nolan and Warner. Yeah. Mank won for cinematography and production design. Original screenplay went to Promising Young Woman. Best documentary went to My Octopus Teacher. Which, which I, I heard uh, is an absolute joy. It is on my list of things to watch. I just haven't gotten around how to How can it. an octopus teach anyone anything? Well, I guess we've got to watch to find out. Yeah. Uh, Nomadland took home a bunch of the awards, including Best Actress for Frances McDormand, Best Director for Chloe Zhao, and the, the Oscar for uh, Best Picture. Yeah. Uh, you would assume that the uh, Best Picture would be... The final category that we talk about. It's the biggest award of the night. You, you want to save the best for last. And then you read that off and everyone goes home. And that's it. Wouldn't want to mix things up and create a false sense of, uh, you know, anticipation for something that somehow ends up not happening and uh, makes everyone leave uh, feeling pissed off and uh, depressed about something they thought they were over already. If the Oscars have been consistent with anything over the past half decade as their viewership has declined. It's that something terrible always happens right at the end. Yeah. Like when they switch the winners. Oh, that was, that was the best. Yeah. Uh, but look, yeah, we didn't mention Best Actor yet. That so strange, right? Uh -huh. And yeah, that's also how it went down at the Oscars this year for some reason, putting it after Best Picture. And that led many to believe that this was being done in anticipation of Chadwick Boseman posthumously winning the award uh, for his role in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which he'd already done at the Golden Globes, Critics' Choice Awards, and Screen Actors Guild Awards. Um, so, by all accounts, great role. Definitely teeing it up for a win here. Mm -hmm. Why else would you switch the categories around? It seemed strange. Obviously, it was to honor a man who unfortunately passed away in the prime of his career to a horrible illness while still able to give an award-worthy performance in a film that was praised by audiences and critics. That must be it. So yeah, everyone justifiably thought that that big moment was coming. Only it wasn't. And it didn't. The award went instead to Sir Anthony Hopkins, who wasn't even at the ceremony uh, for his role in The Father. Yeah, now, to be fair, Sir Anthony Hopkins, great dude on and off the theater screen. Yeah. Great dude on Twitter and Instagram especially. Yeah, slaps. Um, he was not in attendance because he was at home in Wales, where he's from, and he's in his 80s. So traveling internationally for an award show, probably not too high up on the list of plans, considering we're still in the midst of a pandemic. Yes. Um, and he apparently, he offered to Zoom in, but this year's the Academy, they're just like, no, you have to be there or that's it. Like, no Zoom. No virtual. Mm -hmm. America's back, baby. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're, people were uh, understandably shocked by this, um, and it was definitely strange. But uh, I don't know. When hasn't the Academy fucked something up? Yeah. Anthony Hopkins did, however, speak about Bozeman in his belated acceptance speech the next day when he woke up. He's like, what? Uh, what? They I... didn't give it to Chadwick Bozeman? That's stupid. Wow. He said, I want to pay tribute to Chadwick Bozeman, who was taken from us far too early, which was, uh, Very nice. was uh, a ni nice, nice of him to do. Yeah, and all things considered. I mean, it would have been great and probably justified for him to win the award. Uh, but I don't know. Uh, I haven't seen the movie. I don't know anything about it. Uh, but uh, yeah, a lot of his uh, family and friends came out and were just like, it's not a snub. He was honored. Like, He's an old this, man. This does, no, no, no. Not Anthony Hopkins. Oh. Chadwick Boseman. Oh. So uh, 
It's just it's it was just strange because of the fact that they switched the award around. It wouldn't have even been uh, probably that big of a deal if it had been done normally. But it seemed as though it was happening in anticipation of this moment. Yeah, I, I didn't watch it, but I heard like even just like the way the camera Cast. the camera like cut over to like Chadwick's family and shit like that. And it was just very awkward, very yeah. avoidable. Uh, all right. Well, uh, before we get into probably my favorite story of the week about one of the most famous and beloved films of all time, shoving some ancient garbage no one's <laughs> ever heard of off the top spot after decades of domination. Uh, let's take a quick second to thank today's sponsor, Upstart. When it comes to paying off debt, it can often feel like an uphill battle. High interest rates resulting in minimum monthly payments keeps you in an endless cycle of debt. Upstart can help you get ahead. Upstart is the fast and easy way to pay off your debt with a personal loan all online. Whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high interest debt, or funding personal expenses, over half a million people have used Upstart to get a simple fixed monthly payment. Unlike other lenders, Upstart looks at more than just your credit score, like your income and employment history. This means they can offer smarter rates with trusted partners. With a five-minute online rate check, you can see your rate upfront for loans between $1,000 to $50,000. You can receive funds as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com newsdump. That is upstart.com newsdump. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know that we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. Go to upstart.com slash newsdump. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. Back into the news. Um, Elliot, have you seen the movie yet? I know you talk no. about it frequently. No. Neither of them. You... <laughs> All right. Uh, well, it's good news, everyone, after being heralded. As the greatest movie of all time since its initial release all the way back in 1941 when people didn't even know what they were watching. They just liked the fact that the pictures moved. Citizen Kane. It has remained on top of the list of many critics, but it's also sat comfortably at the top of the Rotten Tomatoes 100% fresh list because every single review for this film was positive. Was it that Lights Camera Jackson kid? I don't know. I didn't really care for it. <laughs> Boring. <laughs> Uh, he probably his voice has probably changed by now. Yeah, he's like an adult now. Yeah, uh, but yeah, every every everything was positive for old Citizen Kane until this year. Citizen Kane has been dethroned, disgraced, and dumped in favor of the new king of cinema. You know it, you love it. The actual greatest movie of all time is Paddington Two. It's a huge win for Paddington and a huge win for sequels. Yeah, this uh, Terminator 2, which uh, isn't actually 100% rated, but the, uh, the the original, the Terminator, is actually a 100% movie. Mad Max Fury Road, I believe, is... Uh, close. Close to 100, yeah. But look, Paddington 2! Toy Story 2. Yeah. That's right. I wasn't blowing smoke up your asses. This movie is actually the best movie I've ever seen. Objectively. Yeah, everyone agrees. <laughs> that marmalade-loving, cheerful, lovable, friendly, perfect bear has finally been given the credit that he deserves, and we love him for it, don't we, folks? Now, okay, to be fair, there are a few other 100% fresh films, I mentioned it a second ago, that remain in that top spot alongside Paddington 2. Uh, cool Hand Luke, the original Terminator, Man on Wire, Pinocchio, Singing in the Rain, and even Toy Story. Okay. But, Elliot, when it comes down to the amount of critic reviews uh. used to calculate that score... Paddington 2 destroys the rest, as its 100% perfect score is from a whopping 244 reviews. That's a lot. All positive. Wow. Objectively the best movie. Not a single dissenting voice. No. Toy Story has 100%, sure. 
but only from 90 reviews. Oh, yeah. What about the other? So basic. The other 150 people, they might have hated it. Exactly. We need to check on all those reviewers. Exactly. Paddington 2, though, not a damn thing anyone maybe, could say. Maybe I'll watch it now that it's considered the greatest film. And of all look, time. a great thing for sequels, a great thing for Hugh Grant. Oh, he's in it? Yes. Is he the bear? No. <laughs> they play, say he's the villain. Who plays the bear? He's the villain ish. Because everyone learns their lesson at the end, and, you know, we don't hold it against them. <laughs> Anyways, the actual reasoning behind this is so ridiculous. The real story here is the uh, Citizen Kane it lost its 100% rating after 80 years for a hilarious reason. Yeah. So sometime earlier this year, much like someone digging up an old tweet and saying, "This you?" Yeah. Someone at Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> someone with some very chaotic energy, <laughs> decided to add an 80-year-old negative review to the film's page. Citizen Kane fails to impress critic as greatest ever filmed. This is a review from 1941, yeah. the same year it came out, a contemporary review. Yeah, hey Citizen Kane, this you. This you, you <laughs> originally published in the Chicago Daily Tribune on May 7th, 1941. This scathing review from critic May Tinney said the following, among other things. You've heard a lot about this picture, and I see by the ads that some experts think it the greatest movie ever made. I don't. It's interesting. It's different. In fact, it's bizarre enough to become a museum piece. But its sacrifice of simplicity to eccentricity robs it of distinction and general entertainment. See? That's how everyone talked back then. Anyways, time to go die fighting the Nazis. <laughs> Bye. I'm going to go rub some uranium all over my face. They say it'll clear up my skin. <laughs> uh, that critic's name, by the way, uh, Maytini or Matinee. Oh, my God. It's a fake name. That Disqualify this. No, video. no, no. This Pull was, it from the legend. This was uh, apparently a thing that happened back then. It was... It was a fake name that would be added to a real review from a real critic who wanted to hide their identity for whatever reason. Uh, maybe they were scared of bashing this movie and getting nasty letters like modern critics who critique the, anything made by Zack Snyder. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wait, if Matinee ever saw the YouTube comments section, they would willingly go to war. <laughs> Send me away. Far away from this place. Well, yeah, did Orson Welles have like a fan army? Uh, like, he probably did. Mr. Welles, another, another uh, entire turkey for you, sir. <laughs> yes. And also, I mean, he is a genius. That's the, thing, that's the thing. Like Citizen Kane, yeah, it might seem a little boring to you today, but like the uh, so many of the like tropes and techniques in it yeah. were like used for the very first time, and like to the point where you, it's almost impossible to uh, appreciate it fully watching it today because so much of what you're seeing in it feels almost like overused tropes, mm -hmm. but you're thinking about it in reverse. Like, yes. it started with Citizen Kane, and everyone else started using it. Anyway. Boring. Yeah. <laughs> Understandable. No, like, yeah, it's... it's uh, look, I'll be completely honest. I have tried watching this movie. Um, it's not even that long. Yeah, but I, I still... I, I don't know. What's a newspaper? A piece of paper with the news on it? Why don't you just go on Twitter? Uh, w look, we don't know who wrote the review because it was under a surname... Uh, matinee, but apparently, look, it doesn't disqualify because a lot of critics back then used it, and dare I say, once they find out about this, they're going to be doing it again. Yeah. What we do know is that whoever wrote the review, they're long dead. So the 1940s version of Marvel has no idea who to send the checks to. Um, but let's uh, let's move on to some other uh, random entertainment news from this past week. Uh, we all unanimously loved Mortal Kombat, right? No. Some call it the Citizen Kane of our time. Uh, <laughs> But what, it was definitely missing one key player that would have nudged the film from its amazing, remarkable 54% rating all the way up to 100. Paddington Bear? No. Well, yeah, that would have been great. 
a playable character. Paddington for MK11. Yes. Come on, He uh, knocks their head off and then scoops the, scoops the blood off. Scoops and the marmalade out of their brain. Mar- marmalade, yeah. Uh, uh, by the way, spoilers if you haven't seen it, but it's been a week. And also, who cares? It's a Mortal Kombat movie. Yeah. Uh, it was missing Johnny Cage. Yeah. Very conspicuously. Mm-hmm. So, Johnny Cage is teased at the end of the film, basically alluding to the fact that he will appear in the sequel if <laughs> and when that comes into existence. Mm-hmm. But who would play Johnny Cage in this new Mortal Kombat universe? Well, apparently Ryan Reynolds thinks he'd be a good fit because after the release of the film, he did some tweeting about his cell phone provider that he owns, Mint Mobile. Uh, Yeah, apparently Ryan Reynolds actually at least partially owns a mobile network. Yes. He owns a gin company. The man is a renaissance He's diversified. But uh, yeah, he also decided to throw his hat in the ring by tweeting out an image of him as Johnny Cage in some retro Mortal Kombat graphics and mentioning certain casting rumors, which immediately convinced everyone that he was going to play the role. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, he'd be great in the role, but sure. uh, we're not exactly sure that Warner Brothers would be able to afford him, considering the first film probably isn't going to recoup its production costs. Still, in a dream world, this is great, and Stranger Things have happened, so whatever. I think they should cast Nicolas Cage as Johnny Cage. That's a, Yeah, that's what we were saying. Uh, I forget what episode it was, but uh, I think that would be the perfect fit because he has the... As long as they got like the timeline right and it was like an aging Johnny Cage yeah. or whatever, which would be perfect, he has... The most chaotic energy. Yeah, and he'd he, be great for a movie like this. Exactly, and he does. He's been doing a lot more low budget stuff, but has been knocking it out of the park. And the actual Johnny Cage character, the name in was, the nineties, they copied the name from Nicolas Cage. This like, is <laughs> destiny. Yeah. So Make look, Ryan happen. Reynolds, fine, whatever, and he has done smaller roles and taken less money to do passion projects. Deadpool, he, you know, didn't sure. take a lot of money for it because it was a passion project. Although I think he made that money back on the back end, probably, in a lot of it. But uh, look, Nicolas Cage it is. We're saying it now. We're sticking with it. Warner, right. call us. Anyways, remember Movie Pass? Mm-hmm. Well, what if there was a Movie Pass for a video game? Whoa! Actually, there's multiple examples of this already, you oh, say? Yeah. Including one literally called Game Pass? Yeah, you're right. Oh. Okay, well, either way, one of the co-founders of MoviePass is betting big on gaming with an idea that I guess could work, Yeah, but will also rub a lot of traditional gamers the wrong way. From The Hollywood Reporter, MoviePass co-founder Stacy Spikes revealed on Thursday his latest project, Pre-Show Interactive, a mobile app that offers gamers the ability to exchange their time spent engaging with branded content to unlock in-game currency without interrupting their playing experience. Oh. The currency that players unlock may be applied to many popular games across multiple consoles. Currently in beta, the company has closed $3 million in seed funding led by Harlem Capital, which will be used to expand its product and support new hires. $3 million, huh? Yeah. Hmm. Well, I mean, it sounds like uh, kind of the same concept as that, like Google Opinion Rewards, uh, which is, it's an app from Google. Yeah. You earn money by answering questions You're about like- your... Spending Five habits. cents per ad. Yeah, exactly. Not it's not much. <laughs> uh, you, you, but yeah, it's like, hey, have you seen an ad pop up for this? Or how were the results on this? But uh, yeah, this this is just engaging with brands or ads and, and paying you V-Bucks or whatever the equivalent of that for whatever game is. And sure, that's a, it's a concept. Not sure how many people would be into this. Uh, the return, like Elliot uh, pointed out on interacting with ads, it's likely to be so low in even in-game currency yeah. that it would be negligible. But hey, look. The guys from MoviePass, they aren't out of ideas yet. And and if anything, if it resembles the way that they burned money with MoviePass... Like, all right, we'll just give you like a thousand V-Bucks yeah. for ad. 
<laughs> That's know. what I'm saying. They might actually pay out an exorbitant amount of uh, gaming currency in order to gain users. Yeah. Like, well, he clicked the, the, the Keurig ad, so he gave him 10,000 V-Bucks. Yeah. What's the problem? <laughs> Look, it'll, we'll find a way to profitability at some point. But for now, we got a big customer base bleeding us dry. He twisted the cap on the uh, interactive Pepsi ad. Pepsi's happy. The gamer's happy. What's wrong? Oh, Harlem Capital's upset? Well, uh... What's wrong? Maybe maybe don't answer the phone next time they call. We, we'll figure it out. Anyway, finally yeah. today, yeah. since we've been talking about dumb YouTubers every other week or so on this show, let's do a dumb YouTuber story yeah. again. So, two YouTubers, one of whom apparently had 3.4 million subscribers, are facing deportation from the Indonesian island of Bali for doing a little prank video <laughs> where instead of just being normal and wearing a fucking mask... Especially on vacation in a different in country. In a foreign country yeah. where you maybe don't want to be on the bad side of the law. Mm -hmm. Instead of doing that, they painted masks onto their faces, but like realistically, so they could enter a store after being told to leave for coming in maskless. Yeah. From CNN, Josh Paler Lynn and Leia C have reportedly had their passports seized by the local government and risk being forced to leave Indonesia as a result of the video. In the clip, C attempts to enter a grocery store only to be turned away because she isn't wearing a mask. Lynn then paints a fake mask on her face and she is able to go into the shop. It continues, uh, they will be examined together with immigration to take the decision on whether or not to deport them. I Putu Surya Dharma, a spokesperson from the regional office for the Ministry of Law and Human Rights in Bali, confirmed to the local media. Lin has since removed the video from his YouTube channel. On April 24th, he uploaded a video on his Instagram where he, C, and their attorney apologized for the son. The video is subtitled in English and Indonesian, quote, the intention to make this video was not at all to disrespect or invite everyone to not wear masks, Lynn says. I make this video to entertain people because I am a content creator and it is my job to entertain people. Later, he adds, we promise not to do it again. Oh, God. Yeah, and Bali's uh, one of those places that a lot of people just like uprooted and moved to to do the, the cool like work from home from a foreign e country where like basically... American money means you can employ the locals as uh, indentured servants, and uh, it's yeah, also a, a, uh, a lot of problematic aspects about it. It's also a uh, like romanticized location for uh, I, I want to say hippies, but whatever the modern term for hippies is, finding themselves because of that book uh, "Eat, Pray, Love." Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's like the it's it's obviously stupid. But I have seen now that I have uh, gone back out into the world a couple times. Uh, no shortage of people who think it's extremely funny that they got their faces printed onto masks. And every I mean, time I see it, I'm just like, like, uh, look, I'm happy you're wearing your masks. Yeah. But at first glance, you look like an idiot. And also... I think it's funny. I don't know. I, we're torn on this one, Elliot. Who cares? Much like Mortal Kombat. Who cares? At least they're wearing the mask. I agree yeah. at least with that much of it. Anyways, that's it for uh, News Dump this week. Be sure to watch uh, the newest Tech Newsday video, as well as our video about uh, Biden's uh, quote-unquote meat ban. It's taking away your meats. And uh, stay tuned for uh, some Weekly Weird News, which uh, I don't know if we're going to include it or not, but Matt Gates seems to be rightfully fucking screwed. Oh, that's definitely going in the episode, for yeah, sure. I withheld it from this episode on the basis of uh, lots of information could come out between now and Weekly Weird News. It's, uh, and, uh, it's fucking wild. It's insane. Get ready for... A fun one. Yeah. Uh, we're definitely going to have to turn the AC on for that one, too, because I am... Summer's here, baby. Summer's here. I am fucking dripping. Part of the reason I cut my hair. Anyways, the videos are over here. Tech News Day. Biden beating that meat. We'll see you guys soon. Bye. Bye.